Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. On Blog Talk this morning, we talked about the first commercial American bank was started. Uh, that was the Bank of North America. It was started in Philadelphia in 1782, and we mentioned last week we had talked about uh, the $16 trillion and zero interest loans that have been given out by the Federal Reserve to banks all over the world in order to shore up the U.S. American dollar. We talked about how power corrupts, and the more power you give a government, the more corrupt it will become, the more responsibility you take back on your own shoulders, the more rights you will enjoy. The less rights you will enjoy, the less responsibility. And these are principles of forming a true government that is of God. All governments are not of God. No governments are created by God. But when God is in your heart, when you are operating according to the Holy Spirit, you can form relationships with each other where you govern yourselves under the perfect law of liberty. And you can actually form a government of God, maintain that government of God. But you must maintain your own self, unselfish nature so that you can function and operate as a society and as a body, even as a body politic. Body politic is a very dangerous uh, phrase because many people start talking about civil government when they talk about body politic. And civil government, by definition, is the law that men make for themselves, the government and the laws that men make for themselves. Well, if men were saints, they would make a certain kind of government. What would that government look like? I can guarantee you that it would not look like the governments of the world today. It would not be based on the idea of forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. It would not be based on the idea of membership where you give your right of choice to other men who will choose on your behalf. But yet in God's government, to some degree, we see that element. Where do we draw the line between the governments of the world and the governments of God? Way back in the days of Abraham, we see these altars he was building. And those of you who have read the book, Thy Kingdom Comes, know that those altars were actually made out of living stone, not dead stone. And that you know why, because why we say this because that is what the Hebrew language is actually stating the same word for gathering of stones is a council of men and these offerings were made on these altars to be burned up not by fire but to be given up entirely to take care of the social welfare needs of society but they were freely given they were provided for the people to actually consume, like at Passover. We have a sacrificial lamb 
but they eat it. And this sacrifice is called Corban. But the Corban of the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect. And in 78 B.C., the Pharisees began a social welfare system that was uh, expanded under Herod the Great and his baptism into the kingdom of God where you had to pay in a portion of what you earned every year into a social welfare system which filled the treasuries of the temple but you uh, were to get your benefits from them as well but unfortunately you gave so much power to these priests they became corrupt and squandered the money there were riots at the time of Christ because huge amounts of their social welfare money had been depleted to do government projects which should have been financed separately such as the aqueduct that came into Jerusalem all these things we talk about talked about them on the whirlwind tour across the country in over 30 states we've talked about them before and most Christians are completely unaware of the fact that the Corban of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect was a social welfare contract that was much like what we see as Social Security in the United States or social insurance that we see in other countries. It's a system where you sign up, the scribes of your government, the accountants of your government, register you as a member. You're compelled to pay in a certain amount based on statutory regulations, and then you are guaranteed benefits, not because the money you paid in is there for you, but because the new members would be forced to pay in on your behalf. And that force, instead of love, divides society, separates you so that you cannot function as a body except through these authoritarian leaders who are no longer titular but are lawmakers. That's one form of government, but God's government operates by this perfect law of liberty, and you sacrifice a portion of what you have, and you give it to a minister of your choice, and then he has the power of choice and decision over that contribution. But you have the power and choice over the next contribution. So in a roundabout sort of way, you are dictating to him what he's going to do with those funds or resources that you have given him. He's not directly dictating. He isn't answerable to you directly. You can't put him under arrest. The funds are his to use according to the will of God and according to his agreements. And you have a dual system of checks and balances to make sure that he is doing a good job. He has to keep records. He has to let you know what you, he did with the funds that came in, and even though they become common funds in his hands, he still is answerable because as he burns up that offering, the smoke is visible to all. Where is this going? Where are these funds going? Who is taking care of them? This isn't the private charity that you may give. You know, they say don't boast about what you give. That's what you give personally, the sacrifice you make. What he receives is not his sacrifice. It is your sacrifice. And so, therefore, he must sacrifice that publicly. And he is accountable publicly as to what and where those funds go to. And it needs to be that way because you need to know, do I give to him next week? 
Is he doing a good job? Now, if Christ is not in your heart, your contributions may become a bribe. And I've told the story about Pompey when he was invited to Judea to settle the civil war between Aristobulus and Hyrcanus, who were both claiming the right of kingship in Judea, that he came, sent troops there to defend Aristobulus, but then later when he investigated, he found that Aristobulus' claim was not as good as Hyrcanus, and he withdrew his support. But he had already received this golden contribution well what had been a contribution for his assistance it was now a bribe so he gave all those funds away to the poor he did not profit from them so therefore no one could say that he was corrupted by a bribe and then he offered his support to Hyrcanus without any funds but Hyrcanus would not accept it because he could not make an agreement with the foreigner and that was very important in their law. And But the Romans stayed on to help because the Pharisees asked them. But those Pharisees were the same that Christ was told to come and take the kingdom away from. And he said he would, and he did. And then he appointed it to other apostles who got the baptism of Christ instead of the baptism of Herod. And the kingdom of God was at hand. You had to be a member of the kingdom of God in order to receive the benefits of its altar. We have a table of which they cannot eat. They could not eat of the table of Rome or the Pharisees. This was a division of two different kinds of government recognized by Rome. One operating not like the governments you see today. When we say the word government today, you think of someone who has the power to make law and force you to do something. God has the power to make law, but he does not force you. He allows you choice. You must make those choices. So we're going to talk about this in greater detail, and we have a call-in number where you can call in and ask questions. We've got almost two hours, although we've used up some of that time. And if you have questions that you want to ask, this is the call-in number, 414-395-2442. That's 414-395-2442. So if you have any questions, you can call us here, and uh, Paul will take your call, and we'll... uh, see if we can't answer your question. We also have a chat room that uh, is at Liberty Radio Live where you can voice a question in that chat room and somebody is monitoring that and they'll pass that question on to me. I can't read the chat room at the same time I'm talking. I can't chew gum while I'm doing this either so you'll just have to bear with us but we'll try to answer your questions. But I've got an outline here of a number of things uh, and we'll have some announcements at the break, uh, right after the commercial break, uh, about some of the things that we're doing. But uh, some of the things that we are going to be talking about on this show is this concept of Paca Servanda Sun, agreements must be kept. And like I said, when I first saw that Latin idiom on uh, in a book, I looked it up on the web with who uh, I guess I, I don't think it was a Google search then. I don't think Google was around then, 
But most of the places that the Latin phrase showed up happened to be UN sites, United Nations sites. Governments today are extremely dependent upon agreements, contracts, whether the constructive or executed contracts. They're dependent upon that for their power. They seal you into these contracts, these constructive contracts, because you cause them to create debt. You create debt and by accepting benefits and almost everybody has, if you went to public school, you incur debt because you got free education at the expense of your neighbor. You have you are a felon according to the Ten Commandments because you have coveted your neighbor's goods through the agency of government. You said educate my children. Your parents said this, and you went and got that education, and your parents have sold you into a bondage of debt because you believed that it was okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, free education for your children. And socialism was born in America with that idea of forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Once we started down that road, our destiny was written. We were doomed to bondage. And so that's why homeschooling movement is a very important movement to us here at the church. But when we've done this with health, we've got health services, we've done it with Social Security for the elderly, which has also become a disability insurance, which has been expanded beyond anything you can imagine where people are taken care of simply because they don't want to work or they're taken care of simply because they're lazy or they get a headache from time to time. It's amazing who you will find receiving disability checks. And I've given you the stories before, and I could give you many more of people I know personally who are defrauding their neighbor by pretending to be disabled when they are not and working under the table to get extra money while they're claiming to be disabled. How can anybody living in that way expect the Holy Spirit to enter into their hearts and make them an enlightened soul while daily they rob their neighbor in a dishonest fashion? Even coveting your neighbor's goods is this part of this crime that we commit that puts us into bondage. We've become the mafia. We have decided to whore after the gods of other nations round about us because they offered us, offered us these benefits. So what is our alternative? How do we get out of that bondage? Can we simply break the contract? Well, there's a number of ways that they have written into their laws, and I found these both in Australia and in the United States, and I would assume they're also in Canada and England, and probably many of the South American countries, and I wouldn't be surprised since many of the countries in Africa have formed their own constitutions and laws after these that we'll find them in those countries as well as many of the other European countries. But the reality is there is a way through this labyrinth of statutes for the church to be separate from the state. And that's very important. If the church organizes actually according to the ways that Christ said, which are actually the same way 
that Moses said. You wouldn't believe that uh, by looking at the surface of Judaism today because Judaism today is the result of the Pharisees of yesterday, not the result of Abraham and Moses. So, uh, also we're going to have some special guests on the show at uh, the half hour mark, so be ready after the break at the half hour mark. I'll start bringing on some other guests. We have a lot of people visiting here this uh, this week, and so I'll let each of them uh, say something. Say hello so you hear somebody else's voice other than mine. <laughs> so... Uh, but we're going to be talking about the separation of church and state. In the kingdom, and I talked about this in earlier shows, in the kingdom of God, the state is in the hands of the individual man. And the government uh, authority is God himself. And that authority is expressed through the individual man. His heart uh, in his mind is where God will deliver his edicts and commands. We we used to have a herald that would come around and herald for the king. And he would tell you what the king, the edicts of the king. He would get up in the public square and hear ye, hear ye. This is an edict from the king. And he would be a herald for the king. Well, in the kingdom of God, every man's a herald for the king because God will write his laws upon the hearts and minds of every man. So what is the minister? Is the minister the source of your knowledge about God? Is he going to tell you what God is saying and what God wants you to do? He's just a man like you. He may have an opinion, and you have an opinion. So who is the ruler in the kingdom of God? You still rule yourself. It's the perfect law of liberty. You still must make those choices. Now, if you don't listen to God in your heart, if you only pluck your information from the tree of knowledge and you do not live from the tree of life, you're going to come up with all kinds of conclusions and you may be a part of some 40,000 different denominations in the world that none of which are doing what Christ said. None of which, I'll repeat that, none of which are doing what Christ said. They're doing some of what Christ said, but unless you're doing all of what Christ said, you're, what you're doing is a lie. Because that's the definition of a lie, is missing part of the truth. It's not always the reverse of the truth. It's just not the whole truth. So, in the kingdom of God, God speaks to every man, through every elder of a congregation. And the congregation, you're not really members of a congregation because the congregation has no corporate identity. It's not a corporation. It's not an unassociated corporation or, a, a, you know, an, an unincorporated association. It's a congregate. It's your right to peaceably assemble. There are no bonds between you other than the invisible bonds of love and righteousness and caring for one another. So a congregate is an individual, and families are what congregates. Because the only institution created by God, really, in the beginning, was husband and wife. That's the family. And those families congregate, but they do not dilute their right to choose. They do not incorporate their right to choose. 
And this, any government that is incorporating your right to choose, giving the power to either a democracy or to a monarchy or to a president to make choices on your behalf over what you can do today or tomorrow or tonight or whenever, that's no longer a free government and it's not ordained by God. It's allowed by God, but being ordained by God and allowed by God are two different things. You are allowed to go out of the presence of God and reject his blessings. But it is ordained that you come into the presence of God, walk with him, and receive his blessings. So governments that are walking outside, I mean, the city of Cain, uh, Nimrod, they were not ordained by God. They were allowed by God. Even the Pharaoh was allowed to bring the Israelites into bondage, and they should be into bondage because they've been slothful in the righteousness of God. And the slothful should be under tribute, and they went under tribute in Egypt, and you're under tribute today. So how do we remove ourselves from that? How do we go the other direction? Well, first thing you must do is take back your responsibilities as a society and as an individual. In order to take your responsibilities back as an individual, that's usually pretty easy, uh, or relatively easy, because you are there, and everybody you come in contact with, you will exercise your responsibility with. But to take your responsibility back as a society requires that you cooperate with others. And that takes a skill of patience and love and forgiveness and tolerance, which is why... Christ was talking about these attributes over and over again. Forgive so that you may be forgiven. That's an essential element of a free society. Give so that you may be given to. Freely give so that you may be freely given to and freely receive without strength. That's an essential element of a free society. Now, the corporate enslaving society does not want you to give freely. He wants you to become a part of a democracy or an indirect democracy or some sort of government where the ruler forces the contributions of the people. Until John the Baptist, that is what governments were doing. But but John the Baptist said, if you have two coats and your neighbor has none, share. He was talking about charity. He's telling you how the government works. He's preaching the government of God, the kingdom of God. And he's telling you how it works. You cannot do that unless you come together in an organized fashion. The bones of your body are hooked together in an organized fashion. People would have you be scattered as a scattered flock. Remember, if you come into a congregation, you remain an individual. You're not a corporate body. You should never fear coming into a congregation with others. You can walk away any time in a congregation. There is no obligation of debt. But people hesitate to create a congregation of record. And why a congregation of record? Because a congregation is not a church. A congregation, you know, and a minister is not a church. But a group of congregations with a group of ministers operating in one accord, as we see with the first century church, is a church. I had a minister who uh, uh, signed off of our network, and uh, his his congregation had kind of dwindled away to nobody. 
and he signed off and within an hour he was calling me back telling me that the state has was not recognizing his church as a church they said it was just a ministry and that's actually what it was because he was no longer connected he was a scattered bone again and what we need to do in order to find that freedom that we're talking about, how you get out of those Pacta, Servanda, Swint agreements, you need to begin to form bonds of love. We'll be back to Keep the Kingdom after these words with some special guests. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Across the Border Productions Embrace the little known, the greatest prophecy given by the great high priest, the once secret plan for mankind at the first sacrificial event. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion, because if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America in prophecy exposed for all to see you must see it the mark of the beast no it's not a biochip implant a much better and more secure technology is already here and you are already using it we will bonus you with a free copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work the Inquisition when you send a support donation of $20 to First Amendment Radio Visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation of $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the U.S.A. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth 
will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Hello, we're back at Keys of the Kingdom, and uh, we're talking about God's government versus man's government and the difference between the two and how you get from one contractual relationship to a covenant relationship with God. And agreements must be kept. Peter kept agreements because Jesus said he had to, because he said, yeah, my master pays the tax. He pulled him aside and said, no, who pays the tax, Peter? Peter had it wrong. Peter was confused, but Peter said it, so he said, now you got to pay it for me and you. He didn't pay it for the other 11 guys, and he sent them down to get this fish out of the, uh, the coin out of the mouth of the fish and, and uh, pay the tax. And he made Peter hand the tax over rather than himself so that uh, uh, to make it clear that it was because of what Peter said. So this idea of keeping in your covenants, being friends with the unrighteous mammon, that is what I recommend to do, but Begin to glean in the field at night for your benefits, for your straw. Begin to look somewhere else for those benefits. Begin to develop the relationships with people. And you cannot do that unless you congregate. You will not be good at congregating unless you can find men who are willing to be titular leaders. The leaders of the world are not titular. They exercise authority one over the other. We are not to be that way. So what way are we to be? Titular leaders who do not exercise authority over you. They will exercise authority over what you give them, but you choose what you're going to give. That's your sacrifice. That's your burnt offering. That's what you give to them. And they receive that. Now, they could become corrupted by that if you did not pay attention to what they were doing with it. But if they don't become corrupted with it, if they do a good job, then you give them more and you support them, and they support the needy of your society, and they support the needy of your society in a way that strengthens the needy, not weakens them. And then what happens is your whole society, your society within the society of the world, begins to become strong enough and stable enough to stand on its own two feet. Until you're willing to do that, there's no point in thinking about rescinding the pacta, uh, you must focus on that first. It's like the ship is sinking. You can jump overboard and you'll last about 20 seconds in the Atlantic waters and then you'll begin to freeze up. Or you can man the lifeboats. Well, if you're going to man the lifeboats, isn't it women and children first? Aren't you thinking about the rest of the family? I see men jumping overboard and leaving their families behind. That is not a Christian way to operate. So if you're wanting to get out of the contract, Jesus didn't talk about that much, but he provided for it, because by the time he got to the end of his ministry, before they crucified him, 
The Pharisees passed a law that if you get the baptism of Christ, you are excluded from the benefits of our baptism and our system. That meant they could opt out. When that day comes, and it will come, and it will come during very hard times, then your contracts can be rescinded because they rescinded them. They've Pharaoh has given you permission. You no longer are a part of our government. And you'd be surprised in Romania and in uh, Bulgaria and, and uh, Santo Domingo and I'm sure in many other places around the world, there's actually members of those national, uh, I shouldn't say national government, but uh, people who live in those places that are not members of the national government and are separate. Uh, you'll find people like that, gypsies they call them and other places they they aren't a part of the welfare system of the world they have their own system sometimes sometimes they're just the ravens of society that are scavenging what they can but uh, whether they're uh, part of the kingdom of God or not a part <coughs> of the systems of the world they are independent and many of those governments recognize them in Malaysia there's a group and they actually meet and form their government in the cemeteries that have been there for hundreds of years uh, as they've lived there in Malaysia but not becoming a part of Malaysia there's some American Indian tribes that have portions of their society that are remaining separate this idea and the fact that the Excuse me, and the fact that the uh, church is supposed to be separate from the state, true church ministers who come together in one accord in the ways of Christ can be separate from that social welfare system. As a matter of fact, we show you in the free church report that that those ministers who gather together and form these congregations of ministers under the precepts of Christ by law are excluded from the system of social welfare in the world. They're not just exempt, they're excluded. Now, they can become a part of it and still claim to be the church, and many churches have done that, but they must sign an irrevocable contract with the state. And I thought it was interesting that they said, without even debt, the contract is called irrevocable. With debt, it always becomes irrevocable. But they're... And we're not going to go through it in this show, but there's about four different ways to nullify those contracts. You don't have control over really any of them without the say-so of Pharaoh, without the say-so of the masters of those systems. But you can do things that will set you up. And I'm not going to give you all the details on that, I've given you what you need to do, which is to form that network that operates by faith, open charity, and strengthen society so it can stand alone and separate from the, the benefits of those men who call themselves benefactors, and to stand alone as a society, and not just as an individual. And that is the first step back towards the kingdom of God, back towards the place where you can be ruled by God alone. 
that it's an individual journey that you need to learn to take together in one accord. And so we've formed this network, the Living Network. You can find it at hisholychurch.org. When you join that network uh, and become a member of the email groups, and we will also create a phone network for those people who don't have access to the Internet. And those networks are supposed to be gathering in local congregations and establish those congregations of record and then meet at feasts like our uh, fall festival that's coming up in September out here. And they're talking about a <clears throat> excuse me a spring festival uh, back in, I think, in Missouri. And this is often organized by these titular leaders who step forward and volunteer to do a little extra work and a little extra time that they give to form this living network. And we're going to talk more about some of the specifics of that and give you the chance to call in and ask specific questions. But I told you that we would have a special guest or two or three, and before the show is over, we will have hopefully all three of them that are here today and uh, let them say hello and tell who they are, tell where they're located, uh, how to get in touch with them, and a little bit about why they're here on the network and even here out here in uh, his church in Summer Lake. And uh, the first one we're going to introduce you to, so I don't know if he's the bravest of them, uh, but uh, he's the first one to show up <laughs> today, and he's in the closest chair. So uh, it's Nitsan Parak. And so here's Nitsan, and I'll just hand him the phone, and he'll take over the show for a minute or two until he hands it back to me. <laughs> so here's Nitsan. Thank you, uh, Brother Gregory, and hello, everyone. Um, it'll probably be closer to a minute since um, I'm not <laughs> well practiced in just talking um, um, without the, someone on the other side, although obviously you are there. Um, uh, yes, um, as uh, Brother Gregory said, my name is Nitsan Parak, and um, I'm more of uh, in terms of where I'm from, I'm more, um, although born in California, United States, um, I've, I've uh, moved around quite a bit growing up, and I guess that's just become a way. Um, and so I like to say that uh, that I am kind of uh, at large, as it as it as it were, uh, in that I do travel uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, nomadically inclined is how I uh, tend to refer to myself and so uh, while I am here today in Summer Lake, Oregon um, the phone can ring uh, any moment of any day and uh, I find myself on the road headed in that direction sometimes clear across uh, the nation um, I don't have uh, a means to get uh, you know through uh, borders into other countries or across oceans, but uh, uh, who knows? Um, these things can happen. Um, you know, certainly if there's a need, and um, if it's deemed that I'm the best one to meet that. Although I'd like to think that there's capable individuals uh, around. At any rate, uh, like I said, probably closer to a minute. Um, appreciate uh, everyone who. Uh, is faithful to show up as often as they can. Uh, it's encouraging to know that there's 
that there are uh, other people out there on the other end of this radio uh, listening because uh, they care enough about their neighbor uh, to learn what they can. Uh, perhaps uh, those uh, those nuggets, if you will, the nuts and bolts, uh, so that uh, in understanding uh, they can, from the spirit within, uh, uh, know uh, just how to apply that in setting their neighbors free. Good day. I survived that. Uh, it was at least three minutes. Uh, so you did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Paul, who's the co-host. He's sitting in the back there, uh, making sure that we're connected and uh, probably watching the chat room. I actually tried to load the chat room here, but it's taking forever with our speedy, speedy connection out here in the wilderness. <laughs> But uh, uh, the number of guys have come on the show from time to time, and uh, it's it's a bit of a shocker to pick up uh, a microphone or uh, this uh, telephone here and start to talk, and you don't know who the other guys are. <laughs> we don't That's see you out there. Say that. That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul's experience. He, he's actually taken over the whole show, and he actually does a good job, but... I'll, I'll confess, the first time I went on the radio, I had to lay down here in the office and recompose myself. <laughs> Even though the, it's a pretty small and intimate uh, group that's on uh, the radio, and after a while you get inured to it, and you know you just imagine that somebody actually is out there and uh, listening to us. So I've loaded the chat room so I can actually see what the chat room is up to. Uh, and so they can all say hi. <laughs> Looking for, uh, uh, oh, I see uh, Mark in Australia is on, Isabel is on, uh, uh, Claude Mark. in Vermont is on. Mark in Texas. Mark in Texas. Oh, is that Brother Mark? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's Mark in Texas. Uh, I thought maybe that was uh, Mark Venucci in uh, Australia. We put a web page up today on the Preparing You site uh, of Mark's Garden and uh, sent that out to all the people on the network so they can see what uh, they're doing down under for uh, veggies. Uh, quite an elaborate garden he's put there in the suburbs. But uh, they're, they have a congregation. And it was the questions that came out of the Australian group that uh, kind of set the uh, tone of today's show and we'll be what we'll be talking about so if they have questions they can come forward with those questions uh, but uh, eventually they'll be able to hear this recording on the net and uh, and uh, can go over it then some of the items that we talked about uh you know when I said uh, they asked about the uh, constitution of the kingdom any systems that are not uh, a freedom and we talked about that earlier, that if you are in a part of a government that forces the contributions of the people, that's not a free government. People call it a free government, but they keep using that word, right, uh, Paul? Uh, but it does not mean what I, uh, they think it means. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a only a free government if it's entirely supported by free will offerings. And this is what early Israel was. This is what early Rome was. 
And if people would return to that, the riches and wealth and well-being and survivalship of that government would be astounding. I mean, just be overwhelming. But as long as people remain selfish, they'll be, you know, man the lifeboats and it's every man for himself. It'll be dog-eat-dog. And that's a real skill to form a society of free will offerings. And you cannot do that without congregating together. The society has to congregate together, not bind each other with memberships and contracts and obligations uh, and laws and regulations. They are regulated by the Holy Spirit. And that would mean they do not forsake the gathering together. And that's why we're actually using the word now. We, Paul and I talked about it earlier. I talked about it with some of the, our special guests that to congregate is really the best way to describe what we're doing as congregations. We're not really members of a congregation. You can use that word vaguely, but we're simply peaceably assembling. And now the ministers of the church, the ordained ministers of the church who are in congregations, they may have a slight corporate nature to their gathering, but they are not corporations of the state. They're the corpus of God. They have given themselves over entirely to the service of God, and as long as they do that and people recognize that they do that and support them, those men can operate as the titular leaders of your society. That, if anybody reads our article on republics versus democracy, you can go to the website of hisholychurch.org and see that, that those republics... Uh, are where people choose leaders that are titular in name only. They have no power. They have no control. But there are two elements of government, and this is what we're going to talk about in this world system, uh, which is one form of government, which is a socialist system almost always. Sometimes it's just a totalitarian system, but uh, that's what all socialism leads to. But in a totalitarian uh, or socialist system, there is the individual member who is a grantor. He's the resource of the king. He's the resource for the president, for the Congress. They can't do anything. They're not putting their own money into uh, the operation of that government. They are putting your money, your blood, your sweat, your sacrifice. And they do this in world systems by taxation. In God's system, they do it by some form of free will offering, sometimes called tithing. But even in the mention of tithing in the Testament, it was based on tithing according to their service. You paid them according to the job they did. They don't do a good job, you don't pay them. So that's that's one part of that socialist government and one part of the kingdom of God. You have a grantor. In the kingdom of God, the grantor is the members in congregation who give free will offerings and give them up entirely. In the world government, you have individual members who are grantors and they what well, they give up, they give up entirely because like in social security's case, they don't have to supply you with any benefits, but you still have to pay in. That's written into the law. One of our last articles on, I think it's the second to the last article on uh, uh, 
news with views makes that very clear that Social Security does not guarantee you any benefits whatsoever. It's kind of like your Federal Reserve notes. They have no value. But you can have more of them if you want, <laughs> but you have to pay more sweat and blood in order to get more of them, even though you're struggling to get something with no value. Kind of like legal title versus lawful title, which is one of the chapters of the book's Covenants of the Guides where you pay $400,000 for a piece of property that you don't own. You just paid right to first lease. You get to lease it. And if you don't pay the use tax, they take it away. But anyway, back to this idea. So we have one element as the individual or mem individual member. Both In both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world, these are a grantor. In the uh, second element of the kingdom of God, uh, in one outline here, we see the word state, and it equals trustee. Well, that's not the same in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the state is really the people. All the power of what we call the state, because when we say the word the state, we think of a power organization. Well, the power organization of the state is in the hands of the individual because his offerings are free will. So, now we're going to mix concepts a little bit here to try to get you to understand. Another aspect of this concept when we say the word state, besides being this one with the power of control and choice and everything, uh, the state is also the manager of what they extract from the people. And that office is in the hands of the trustee of the church which is in the kingdom of God is in the office of the minister but he cannot extract the offering it must be freely given so he is an element of the state in the sense that he is the trustee of the contribution and what you give to your minister, he has the management authority over. But he, how he receives it is different than the, the governments of the world that we see as the state or the government. Uh, so he manages that element of or contribution according to his own God-given conscience. And you keep giving to him because you think he's doing a good job, which is your choice as an element of the state. We call that, not state, but church. And the church is the trustees of your contributions. But when you give a contribution to a minister, it is given to him entirely, and that concept of the perfect law of liberty is included in that. His minister cannot force him to give him a portion of that contribution that was given to the first minister. Because... The way the kingdom works, just like we talked earlier how in this day in history, you could go down and vote for your delegates who would vote for the president. The president wasn't chosen by popular vote, but by the vote of the electoral college. And that's still the law today in the United States, although they do it a little bit different. You go down and vote for somebody who's going to elect the president of the United States. Well, in the kingdom of God, you elect your minister by choosing him yourself. 
and you give him your contribution to, in support of the government, whatever he's doing. Right now, most ministers aren't doing a fraction of what the early ministers did. They aren't the social welfare of the people. So he doesn't need a tithing. He just needs something <laughs> to help him with the expenses if he's doing a job. He picks another minister, just like those electorals in your electoral college pick their minister. They pick the President of the United States, and they used to pick the Senate. But now they pick just the President of the United States. You pick a minister, that minister picks a minister. You're forming a government, but with a different nature. One of the drawbacks of a republic is that it has no, a pure republic has no standing in the law of nations. And we'll talk more about that in the second half. We'll talk more about how God's government differs from man's government. And you need to know that if you hope to someday be free. And when we get back, we'll have another guest, another special guest on Keys of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month and you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. For any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. And we're talking about the government of God. And I'm looking at the notes that somebody sent me on this concept of God's system 
and uh, the church system uh, or the kingdom of God system and um, and the system of the world and I can see where some of the confusion is when I'm looking over the notes that they sent me and we'll get into that but before we do that I said it's going to be absolutely essential that you form a network, a body, a connecting society that is full of Minutemen for Christ by being Minutemen for each other, where people are bound by faith, hope, and charity. In order to do that, you must practice faith, hope, and charity. You must pick men who do not want to rule over you, direct you, control you, but men who want to serve you, because those are the men who are coming in the nature of Christ men who actually want to help you become a strong society, not become a dependent society upon them. Uh, this takes a certain kind of individual, and that individual is made by God, made by his commitment to God, and he needs good, strong elders in the congregation to keep him on the straight and narrow. Most governments are corrupted by the power that is given to them by the people. And elders of the congregations of God have to be the kind of people that do not want to give the power to other men. They want to provide them with the necessary elements to do the job that they have before them. They want to empower them to do what needs to be done. And so, therefore, in the kingdom of God, every man is an integral part of that congregation. And the leaders, again, I say this over and over again, are titular in name only. They are not ruling over the elders. The elders rule over themselves. But they create this relationship where they work together to form a team that is not just a team but a society of teams that have a common goal, which is to do the will of God. And that is a skill society today has lost but anyway we got a number of men here this week that are struggling to find out and learn that skill and one of them is david cawthorn and i'll let you hear from david now and he can tell you where he's from and why he's here and what uh, he hopes to accomplish or whatever he wants to tell you and it'll give me a break to go over my notes a little bit more so we can get all these questions answered. I might even look at the chat room to see what the heck they're doing there in the chat room <laughs> while he's talking. But here's David. Thank you, Brother Gregory. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. As you heard, my name is David Cawthorn. Uh Where I'm from is uh, my home base is uh, South Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm a truck driver and... Uh, so I work in the commercial freight realm. So I'm all over the country. Um, we, uh, as many of you know, we met in Colorado and then meets on Parak and, and uh, Scott Hostetter uh, came over here to Summer Lake. And I laid over in Colorado for a few days and uh, lo and behold, a load popped up coming in this direction. So I jumped on it. So the provision of God is awesome. And because uh, I had no, you know, I had no idea I was going to be coming over here, and so uh, here I am, and uh, I hope to learn quite a bit as 
far as how long I'm going to be here is up in the air. You know, again, that's God's provision, uh, a week or two or whatever. So, uh, but I hope to learn a lot, to see a lot, and to do a lot. Uh, you know, practical, hands-on experience. So, uh, but uh, there it is in a nutshell. And uh, I am an elder in the church at Lus Hills in Iowa. And uh, with Scott uh, as my minister, and so again, I learned from him. I learned a lot. So this is all a learning experience for me, and and it's been quite a, a venture. So uh, anyway, there it is in a nutshell. And everybody, goodbye. Thanks, David. Yeah, we're firm believers in uh, on-the-job training. <laughs> you learn by doing. You don't learn by just listening to radio programs. <laughs> or recordings or reading books you eventually have to learn by doing uh, I gave an example of that to the guys last night when I showed them the first spinning wheel actually it's not the first spinning wheel I made it's the first practical one it's the first one I wanted to keep uh, the, I could not figure out how that flyer system worked in a spinning wheel a Saxony wheel and finally I, a 92 year old lady was spinning in a library and I went and saw her and I watched that spinning wheel go round and round and I ran home and built this spinning wheel that we have today. But until I actually saw somebody doing it, I could not quite grasp it from the sketchy pictures that people drew in books. I had to actually <clears throat> see it in operation. And that's a little bit what it's going to be like with the kingdom. So we're going to talk more about the kingdom, and we'll bring on the second guest uh, at the half-hour mark, or third guest, um, and uh, let him say some things. But uh, in the brief uh, break that I got there with uh, David Cawthorn talking to you, I saw uh, some more problems. This is what your feedback is very valuable to me because I see where people uh, might not be seeing something, where they might be missing a little piece of the puzzle. And so that talking about these pieces of the puzzle uh, with each other, that's where iron sharpens iron. Uh, they they teach me by what they see, and I share with them what I see, and between the two of us, hopefully, we'll come up with some solutions. In the world system, there's a individual who is a grantor, but unfortunately, he doesn't just grant stuff; he grants the power to take stuff. In by this relationships, he creates a state separate from himself. Those states are usually corporate in nature. And what he gives to the state is the state really is the beneficiary of. The state then gets to choose who will benefit, and supposedly that will come back to the individual. But he's not casting his bread upon the waters. He's giving somebody the right to take his bread away from him and to take it away from his neighbor. And he hopes that his master will be benevolent and take care of him. Unfortunately, he has given too much power to his leaders, and they usually become corrupt, and moths and, and rust steal away his treasure. And when the day of calamity comes, his benefactor does not hear him, but neither does God. Because God has said that in that day... I will not hear you because you went out and elected leaders 
like Saul, who could exercise authority one over the other. And that, and he told us in Samuel what kind of government that would create. Now, if we go back to this concept of God's government, in God's government originally, God was the grantor. He gave to man, every man, a piece of the rock, dominion in this world. That giving to man with conditions, dress it and keep it. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge, but eat of the tree of life, the tree of spirit. Because remember, it was life that God breathed into man. So it's this tree of life, this Holy Spirit, this comforter. That has to be our source. And we are to dress and keep it. The idea that we are to keep it lets us know that we could lose this. So really what we're facing today is a battle over the rock, over the planet, over this world that God has given us dominion over. This is our home. He has given it to us to clean up, to keep, to take care of. And he gave it to us on condition. He is the grantor of that trust. We are the trustees of that trust. And the beneficiary, who is the beneficiary? Is the beneficiary of that is all mankind. We are to love our brothers as ourselves. And so that is the nature of God's original creation of government. Now, there is a principle that comes down through history. And that principle is that a trust within a trust cannot stand. A trust within a trust is subject to the original trust. So all trusts in the world today are created within that original trust. But God has given us a free will. He has allowed us to take our trusteeship, invest it, our dominion, invest it in the hands of others. And we often create corporate states by constitutions and agreements and give them the power to do our job. We give them the responsibility to do our job. And when we do that, we are turning and rejecting our position of dominion. And this is what everybody has done throughout the world. So, again, this goes back to that principle. If you want your rights back, you have to take back your responsibilities. And those responsibilities are to be the trustees of a trust where every man is a beneficiary. We are to be priests to all nations. That's that concept. Israel was to be a priest to all nations, a benefit to all nations. That's what the sacrifice of the red heifer is. And I know many of you won't understand that, but some of you have been studying and listening and they know what I mean by the sacrifice of the red heifer that's aid outside of our congregations and congregations of congregations so that's the original system but we create systems within that and one of those systems is this concept of corporate government where we give a body politic power to decide for us we hope that we remain beneficiaries of that system but somebody has exercising control that we no longer have because we have given it up. 
So once we do that, the question is, how do we get out of that system? We are bound in that system. And again, like I said, if you're bound in that system with debt, you can't simply leave. You can't simply say, unless you have someplace else to leave too, you can't simply say, well, I'm going to rescind that unless you pay the debt. They've got you. They have control. You are bound by debt. This is why you're not supposed to be in debt. And if you're in debt, you have not kept the Sabbath. You did not work and earn it. You went into debt. Anybody in debt is not keeping the Sabbath because you haven't earned it. You owe it. You took your day off, and now you owe it. Important concept of the Sabbath. So, anyway, how do you get out of that system? Well, God gave you a way, and he gave this way to Abraham, Moses, and Jesus Christ, and John the Baptist. You gather together in this other system, and he allows you to create a government where your leaders are titular. The Levites were that government. They were not the state, but they represented the state. When Alexander the Great came in, who went out to meet him? The Levites. The Levites are the government, but not the state. The state remains with you. Important distinction. But they are the government, but they are titular. They don't exercise authority over you, but they represent you. They can't make treaties. They don't have a standing army. They don't accumulate a vast treasury of gold and silver. That remains in your pocket. They don't create golden calves, central treasuries. The treasure remains with you. But the life flow of your government is dependent upon your regular, uh, the word, the letter in, in the Hebrew would be mem, flow of righteousness, where you pay your servants, you provide them with their needs. So in a congregation, the elders meet and decide, based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, what they need to do first. The minister can say, you know, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. I think this is a good thing. But they must decide because they are going to supply him with the blood to go and do this. Last night when my son brought in the border collie that he sits in a little spot in the corner and he was going to go out and he started to move and the dog started to perk up and then he went back down because my son didn't move towards the door. But then when he moved towards the door, the dog suddenly comes from the lifeless state of laying flat, looking, is he going? <laughs> and just with just one little word, the dog was off like a shot because he was ready to go. His blood began to flow, and he had the energy to go. But until then, he was just going to lay there flat. Your minister can't do anything until you give him the power to do it once you give him the power to do it he can go out and get the job done if the elders of your congregation are get the job done kind of guys they will pick a minister who is a get the get the job done kind of guy and you will see your congregation flourish if you love one another as you love God and love yourself your congregation will flourish if your congregation has that love, it cannot help itself but to love the next congregation as itself. You will not be focusing on your congregation as the center of the universe. 
you will know that God is the center of the universe, which takes us back to the very first comment I made on Blog Talk. And this day in history, Galileo looked out and saw the moons of Jupiter and counted them and named them. We are to be the dominionative authority of this planet on an individual basis. We have been given the dominion, but if we don't go back and take back our responsibilities, there is no reason, there is no power to nullify any previous contract you had. If you go back to Moses when he came in, he said, pay your tally of bricks, glean in the field at night for your straw, learn to become this independent society, filling each other's water vases in times of trouble and difficulty so that you become a strong society, a capable society, a networking society that can withstand the calamities that come because the Holy Spirit is within each individual of your society, each elder of your society. And then your trust within the trust of the creation of God is compatible with God and will be blessed by God. The beneficiaries of the church is Christ. But Christ said, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, just as God said, dress it and keep it. That is our obligation. So the representative beneficiaries, the one who we actually give to, because God doesn't need our money. He does not need our burnt offerings. He wants us to love one another. That is his commission and He receives his benefit when we do the will of the Father. And and that is the will of Christ as well. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a picture. We really ought to do a video on this and so that you can actually see this out in structural contract uh, and uh, contrast. And uh, maybe we'll be talking about that over the next... uh, few days with uh, these fellows who have met here with me at uh, his church at Summer Lake. And in the meantime, everybody out there should be struggling to form, striving to form congregations. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, God will do it. But Christ said, strive. Christ said, seek. Christ said, persevere. Christ talks about the Master saying, go out in the streets and bring in those who will come to the wedding feast and they went out and they didn't bring in enough and he says go out and bring in more and they didn't bring in enough and he says go out even into the hedges into the side rows look for those ravens who are out there even anyone who will come in but to come in you must put on the character of Christ. You remember the foolish virgins who did not trim their wicks, who were idle, the door was slammed in their face and not opened up. So you must become a doer of the word. And when you become a doer of the words, your eyes will be open and you will see things anew. And then when you see those things anew and you act upon them, your eyes will be opened again. Because first he gives you a talent and you did well with it. Then he gives you two talents. Then he gives you three talents. And if you do this in congregations, not forsaking the gathering together, 
you will all be enriched, but you come to those congregations for what you can give, not for what you can receive. Because if you don't, you're not coming in the nature of Christ. You're coming in the nature of Cain. What is in it for me? While Christ came that ye might be free. Are you coming to a congregation so that others might be free? Or are you coming to a congregation so that you can be free? Because if it's the one way, you will not be free. If it's the other, you will be free. You cannot be free until you are willing to set others free and that you are willing to act upon that. So everybody should be gathering together in the the network at hisholychurch.org and connecting with other people by picking a PCM, a personal contact minister who has no authority but is a titular office of contact connection. We have some people in Romania that uh, are forming a, a group out there, uh, you know, their own, uh, they're in a farming community, I think, mostly. But I actually talked with some people from Romania who I think are in Florida now, and so the PCM in Europe uh, should get together with the PCM in Florida <laughs> and get the people in Romania in contact with the people from Romania who are now in Florida. <laughs> and that's networking. There are other ways to connect. Now, we have uh, uh, several people here that are from different parts of the country. As you heard, David Cothern gets around to a lot of places. He could stop in and meet with you for lunch or talk with you as he travels through these many different towns and and cities and start creating connections, actual living connections. That's what we call the living network. The email network is not enough. You have to form these living connections. Uh, Nitsan Parak is another one who travels around quite a bit, and he'll be heading back towards Iowa in a couple of weeks uh, passing through who knows how many states. And uh, and Scott Hossetter, who is centrally located in the country uh, at Lowe's Hill, uh, but is willing to take jaunts out to meet with other groups. You need to make those physical connections, not depending on Google groups and email groups and even the phone. You need to create that network. That's what Israel was, was a network of people so that if there was a need, you could come to their need. And you had the connection, the circulation system, the nervous system of the kingdom, the, which is a body. The human body has structure, bones connected together. And we see Ezekiel talking about dry bones, scattered bones. That's what the people of God are today, dry bones, scattered bones. And we need to come together with one another in order to bring those bones together. And then God will breathe life into those bones. And that's the ministers of the church who form that structure. But the flesh and the sinew and the blood, that needs to come onto that structure. And then God will breathe life into that. This is, it's just like a child growing. He first learns to crawl, then he learns to walk, and then he learns to uh, talk, and then you can't shut him up. <laughs> so 
that's the, what we have to be in the kingdom is this body coming together on these basic principles that I'm not coming to rule over you. I'm not coming for what, how you can benefit me. I'm coming like Christ on how I can benefit you. Can you imagine if we had a network like that with 144,000 families who had learned the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb and were actually doing the will of God and not creating new religions or creating religious doctrines and and foregoing and failing to do the simple things of God. In the letter that the guy was writing me today that I talked about earlier, he says, uh, quoting that uh, some of my sources, questioning them as I, I talked about, the reality is all the information in those books is, like as I said, pluck from the tree of knowledge but what fruit is good to eat depends upon the tree of life that's what we eat from knowledge was there information is there but without the tree of life we don't know what to do with it so if I give you knowledge of the kingdom and how to form and how to uh, be free of the systems of the world which are all contained in the books but you do not eat of the tree of life, which is by its nature giving life to others. If you receive, freely receive, you must freely give. Otherwise, the flow stops and the water becomes stagnant and the life becomes poisonous. You must freely receive, freely give. You must constantly be doing that, not just with your own family, but with others. And uh, yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. It requires a great deal of balance that you are not considering yourself the center of attention, the center of focus, that you come together simply by loving one another, willing to serve but never, ever demanding service, demanding righteousness in the choice of your ministers, but that choice remains with you daily. And when you cast your bread upon the waters, you're giving your contribution to the minister because you're giving it to God, and it belongs to God. It never belongs to the minister. It is in the minister's hands for the purposes of God. If he misuses that, he betrays God and is answerable to God like Ananias. His health will diminish and he will die. His life, he will become blind and not see. He will become lost and cannot be found. It is an offense against the Holy Spirit to take something that is given to Christ as if you were receiving it on behalf of Christ and using it for your own purposes. And the, the fruit of that is death. And so the police force of the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. And people don't believe that that works, but watch. You will see it. Those of you who are enmeshed in the network and are actually involved in the process, you are going to see that manifest in the days to come. And you will know, just like the people in the days of Ananias knew. And fear, respect of God and his Holy Spirit came over them because they knew, whoa, 
this power of the Holy Spirit to protect us, if we will operate according to that Spirit, is real. And so, anyway, with that, and we're coming up on another break here, I'm going to have, as soon as we get back, we're going to have our other last special guest on and uh, see if he can go more than three minutes. (laughs) And until then... We're going to give you the call-in number again one more time so you can all write it down as soon as I find it here. The people think that's funny that I can't find it because I can't remember the number. But it's 414-395-2442. That's 414-395-2442. So if you have any questions... Um, after the break and after our special guests, you can call in and we'll try to answer your questions. Uh, but don't worry about getting out of the system until you've got some place to jump. No more walking the planks, guys. I'm tired of trying to save drowning plank walkers. So anyway, we'll maybe explain a little bit about plank walkers when we get back uh, to keep the kingdom. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening
If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 
uh, core families uh, that are in the local area around um, uh, Omaha County Bluffs and the uh, Lust Hills there. Um, they were gathering this morning. Uh, I just happened to start calling them uh, randomly, and uh, when I finally got a hold of one of them, uh, they were uh, at their breakfast meeting. So they gave me the uh, uh, their uh, update on what uh, has been going on with them so that uh, they can uh, keep their government servant in uh, in the loop um, of what's going on there and the things that they're talking about and discussing. And uh, it was very good this morning. Uh, I don't think they're doing any major uh, decision-making while I'm gone, but they are uh, <clears throat> uh, coming up with little uh, projects uh, kind of more for themselves of what they're doing to uh, spread the gospel and, and uh get out and find others uh, to seek those lost sheep. Um, one of the things that um, stuck with me this morning was uh, I was speaking to one of the elders, Jackie, and um, she was mentioning how the uh, father has put it on her that um, she really needs to uh, start visiting uh, local churches in, in, the, in and around the Omaha area and um, you know, make connections there with people. And I'm sure she'll be led by the Spirit to know who to sit next to uh, during the sermons, <laughs> so who to talk to after the sermons finished in those uh, world churches and uh, how to spread that message. And uh, that's one of the things that everybody kind of has to do on their own. But um, you know, some of the projects that uh, our elders here uh, in this congregation have uh, laid upon me as their minister and uh, and trustee. Some of these things are are in the works. Uh, obviously, some things are further along, uh, at, and some things are still on the drawing table, but. Just to kind of give everybody an idea of what Greg was talking about, how these elders come together uh, to decide things, and then they um, present them to me, and or we I present ideas to them, and they discuss them, and we kind of decide what we're going to move forward with based on how the Spirit is leading us, and and that sort of thing. But um, you know, kind of some of the things that are always in the background. We've got um, a cemetery project. Uh, that was one of the things that they uh, kind of came up with that uh, they thought was important that uh, the church acquire maybe an acre or two of land somewhere uh, to use uh, for a burial ground cemetery and also uh, orchard uh, or vineyard or something like that and a place of retreat ground uh, where um, you know where we could actually meet um, and not necessarily meet in homes but now establish that custom and usage of meeting on this uh, ground. Um, obviously, the cemetery would not be just for the families in the congregation here locally. It would be uh, for congregations everywhere if they did not have their own cemetery yet or something like that, and somebody wanted to be um, you know, with us in that, in that regard, that it's open to all those uh, congregations and valleys near and far. Um, uh, one of the other projects that's kind of still on the uh, drawing table because it's the Father's will and not necessarily ours, but we're always kind of keeping our eye open for uh, like a church bus, uh, a vehicle that would be large enough for uh, going to uh, making these regional uh, trips to visit other congregations uh, or to the larger national um, events like the Burning Bush Festival uh, in the fall out here in Oregon, uh, which is one of the other things that uh, the congregation is trying to do is 
come together in a uh, Burning Bush Festival caravan uh, this fall um, where everybody is trying to caravan. If we can't find that church bus before then, which which may or may not happen, uh, that's the Father's will. Um, you know, for... Uh, and anybody along the route that we take will post that route that the uh, congregation at Lus Hills decides to take, and uh, the families that are spread away from the local Lus Hills area that are part of our congregation uh, will probably all meet up in the Omaha area and then travel I-80 West, uh, caravanning along the way and fellowshipping, obviously, and uh, maybe uh, trading vehicles now and then so that people can rotate around and and get to talk and see other faces rather than just spending time with their own families and their own cars. I think it's a good idea to do the little uh, Chinese fire drill. You know, when we come to an interchange somewhere along the way, we'll, we'll kind of draw some attention with all these church people jumping out of their cars and changing seats to be able to talk to somebody new along the way. Who knows? Um, but uh, that's some of the things. Uh, one of the projects that we almost have finished um we have a uh, wheat project, a uh, grain project, that we are uh, storing up uh, wheat. And um, I know it's not really for uh, planting. This is a project to uh, preserve the wheat in uh, heavy uh, food-grade mylar bags uh, that will be sealed up and protected from uh, all kinds of things in various sizes of the mylar bags uh, so that we can hand those out in times of of um, you know catastrophe, uh, whether that's local in our area or regional or national, we can uh, disperse those bags of wheat out so that they can be handed out to people that uh, uh, need uh, a way to make some bread or tortillas or something uh, to be able to stay fed. Um, again, whether that's uh, within the network or a sacrifice to the red heifer to the uh, the people outside. Foreigners and strangers, if you will. Um, some of the things that we're always working on too is uh, developing family skills. Um, always trying to learn new things. Um, you know, it's important that we all be self-reliant, but it's also important to learn those things together. And um, uh, one of the things that uh, we also uh, have an already a, an assigned alternate minister in the event that something were to happen to me, there's already someone that has been elected uh, or chosen to step in in that uh, uh, temporary role until a new permanent uh, minister of record could be chosen. Um, but it's important that um, all of the elders be cross-trained, not only as uh, their job as elder, patriarch, and the state, but also that they all know uh, the job of the minister and how I do things in particular uh, or how I'm led to do them, not that uh, we do anything right or, you know, it's not that the way Les Hills does things is the right way. There's many ways of doing things, and that's that iron sharpening iron. Um, as congregations come together and find different ways of doing things, hopefully they will share that information so that other congregations can maybe uh, become more efficient, uh, kingdom-seeking workers and doers. Uh, so cross-training the elders to all be ministers of record so that if anything happens to any of us when we're out traveling around, uh, they can all step in and, and uh, fill that role. Um, <clears throat> we have, in our congregation, we have families near and far. Um, 
We have uh, most of the families are around the Omaha uh, Council Bluffs area, but we do, as you heard earlier, uh, David Cothern, who is our uh, journeyman traveler all around as uh, as uh, uh, over the road truck driver. Um, surprisingly, when uh, David came into the congregation, you know, we didn't think we'd probably see him much, but um, the Father has certainly blessed us with the ability to cross paths an awful lot, and that's uh, been a wonderful experience. Um, we have the Jarvises down in Missouri and the Hanson family down in Kentucky, and um, you know, part of the reason that they're part of our congregation is to um, be a part of a congregation, to see how that works, um, to, to really uh, be able to seed another congregation closer to themselves, um, but uh, sometimes we have to uh, see how others are doing it before we know um, how to get it done. And that's uh, one of the other things that I think Greg, uh, Greg mentioned. As we've been going along in this uh, uh, journey uh, to visit Greg and, and see everything out here at Summer Lake, uh, we were talking about how you know we should go out two by two and uh, visit others that are trying to come together that are maybe already in fellowship but maybe haven't established that congregation yet um, to be able to help them uh, kind of see things a little bit easier, get up and running a little bit faster uh, from our experiences, maybe help them avoid some of the pitfalls and stumbles and uh, get them to where they're wanting to go a little bit quicker. Um, and uh, so that's kind of what we've been doing um, We'll continue to strive. We'll continue to stumble. We'll fall. We'll get up, and we'll just keep going. And uh, and if you uh, want to follow along in what we're doing on the, at the Lux Hills uh, Congregation of Record, um, we try to keep uh, things updated so that others can uh, witness what we're doing and give testimony to us on the uh, Preparing You Wiki site um, under the Congregation page. Just click on His Church at Lux Hills. You'll see lots of links there that the families have their own pages to kind of... Uh, not everybody is up and running yet. There's uh, people that are still kind of struggling and striving to kind of figure out how they're going to do it, but that's their that's their walk. And But we try to keep everybody up to date on some of the things that we're doing as best we can either on that main page or there's lots of links on there that people can check out uh, the different things that uh, Lost Hills is doing. So... Um, that's really all I have to say, Greg. I hope that uh, kind of gives you a good report. Uh Well, thanks, Scott. Um, I was just spanning up here real quick in the last few minutes, and I see a question that was in the chat room, and I thought I would answer this right away. Uh, I don't know if somebody else attempted to answer it uh but the question was, am I understanding correctly that until the time comes when you can rescind your contracts, the Holy Spirit cannot enter your heart because uh, you are in bondage? No, it's absolutely the reverse of that. Uh, until you, the Holy Spirit enters your heart, you probably are incapable of rescinding any contracts. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit leadeth. Uh, that is the way it works. Um, the idea of rescinding contracts, and I guess somebody else was answering something here. You, you, we are bound the same as they were bound in Egypt uh, within this trust. 
And the reason we were bound is because we were covetous, because we were slothful. The slothful should be under tribute. And so in order to become unbound, we must become unslothful. Well, in order for the Holy Spirit to enter into us, we must also become unslothful and uncovetous and no longer those things that bar us, those guidelines we call the Ten Commandments. We can't be coveting our neighbor's goods. We can't be murdering. We cannot be uh, stealing from other people or the Holy Spirit will not enter into us because we have another spirit in us. And so, therefore, we must return and that's why Christ says things like to be friends with the unrighteous mammon. If you're not honorable in your agreements in the world, you know, if you're a cheat and liar in the world, there's no place for you in the kingdom. And there's no place in you for the Holy Spirit. So we need to get our act together and get in conformity with the Holy Spirit. And then, because people used to ask me all the time, and this is probably a good place to come to an end on the show, they used to ask me all the time, does this stuff work? And and this is back when I just wrote the book, Covenants of the Gods. And if you read the book, there is no solution in the book. It's just talking about the problem. So I'm not sure what they meant by this stuff works. Um, this stuff will work to get you into bondage. I guess that could work. But if you follow the way that Christ laid out before us. What this does is the same thing as what it did with Moses. It will take you down to the shores of the Red Sea with the sea at your back and all the armies of the world order of the world coming down on you with everything it has and nothing between you and their malevolent power but the power of God. And that works. The power of God works. And that power of God, God makes it clear that when they picked their Saul, elected their government who could exercise authority to guarantee them justice and mercy instead of guaranteeing justice and mercy for their neighbors with their own actions. God said, this is what's going to happen. He's going to take and take and take and take and take from you. And in that day of your calamity, I will not hear you. So if you want God to hear you, you have to stop taking from your neighbor. Start providing for your neighbor with faith, hope, and charity. Providing for your neighbor in a way that strengthens the poor. You cannot do that without the Holy Spirit entering into your heart. And when that, people tell me, oh, well, you know, I've accepted the Holy Spirit in my heart. I've accepted, accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Where are the fruits of that? Are you forsaking the gathering together or are you gathering together? Are you separating yourselves out or are you coming together? Are you coming together in faith, hope, and charity or are you coming together in religious bondage? You have to believe my doctrine the way I see it or you're out. Or are you coming together where you actually love one another to strengthen one another? To make one another strong and viable in a world that is in the dark ages. We're in the dark ages, but there is an ebb and flow that's beginning to come about, that is beginning to come out uh, of the darkness. And men's eyes are beginning to open, and women's eyes are beginning to open. And they're rubbing their eyes and they're blinking their eyes, trying to, am I seeing what I'm seeing? 
And the fact is, they're just starting to come together, and we're just starting to see. And, of course, immediately when you really start coming together in the whole earth, there will be a shaking out. Jesus had massive crowds following him. And then he had 12. And then he had none. And then he had 12 again. <laughs> massive. The persecutions of the early church kept them on the straight and narrow. And there will be persecutions in in the church today. But if there's the Holy Spirit in the church today, there will be growth. There will be success. And so the Holy Spirit must enter first before you even consider. And I said I'd talk a little bit about walk the plank. And there's been several comments about that on the network and people are talking about it. The, there was very little plank walking in the days of the pirates, uh, but they did do it. But the fact is, when you got on and off of every single ship you got on, you always walked the plank. That was a common verb, you walked the plank. But most of the time, the other plank was on shore. <laughs> and you walked the plank down to the shore. But the pirates thought it was funny, let's let them walk the plank and there ain't no shore. <laughs> And you would be required, well, you don't want to sign the Pirate Accords and become bound by the Pirate Accords where you covet your neighbor's goods and you control your neighbor's goods and you rule over your neighbor. You don't want to be a member. You can walk the plank. You can leave the ship. You can't stay on the ship unless you sign up. And that's what we're coming to. What you need to do is learn to walk on water. You need to learn to live by faith. Are you ready to step out of the boat? There's a lot of people who are jumping ship, but they don't even have a lifeboat. Or they got their own little lifeboat, and they're going to save themselves. What about the rest of their family? What about their friends and their neighbors? Why are people abandoning the ship and not leaving in an orderly fashion? You need to learn to walk on water, or at least come together enough so that God can part the seas, so you can cross the seas without drowning. These are, you know, I'm using metaphors in this description, but I hope people are getting the message. If you will not come together in Christ's name, forget about being free, because you will not succeed in the days ahead. You must return to the ways of the Holy Spirit and start eating of the tree of life and let the Holy Spirit enter into you by caring about others as much as you care about yourself. And if you do that, you have a chance at freedom. It's not necessarily a guarantee. You know, you may be persecuted. You may be, you may even lose your life in this process. But better do you lose your life for righteousness than to lose your life for unrighteousness. Everybody will be free when the system collapses. Everybody will not survive freedom. But if the Holy Spirit is in you, and you've let him into your life, and he's guiding you in your daily actions, you will be free even if they put you in prison. Even if they kill you, you will still be free. But without that, you'll never be free. So the Holy Spirit is first. And so anyway, we... Hope we got that cleared up. <laughs> I thank you for the question. It may not have been you that needed the answer, I suspect, but it was somebody else. A lot of times people should be asking questions so that other people can hear the answer and not just for themselves. 
But I, running back up here, I don't see any other questions. I kind of signed on late, and so I may have missed them. Um, maybe we could hear from Paul in the last two, three minutes of the show. <laughs> Paul, do you have anything you wanted to say? Well, yeah, I did want to bring up that question that you just raised. I'm glad you found it. And I think there was at least one other, and now I'm searching for it. <laughs> <laughs> like me, looking for the phone number. That's probably uh, yeah. Ownership of gold relevant. Is that the one? Uh, there was one in between there, too, I think. Oh, after, well, yeah, right. After repentance, does a prostitute have to continue selling her body until she rescinds her contract? Uh, you have to be friends with the unrighteous family. That's a quick <laughs> you have to be honorable in your agreements, but you have to strive through the night. You have to, you know, one of the things we said this is a lot of on-the-job training. Well, it's, there's going to be a little overtime on this, you know, with all the time we've wasted. <laughs> uh, Scott's putting his hands up. A lot of overtime. <laughs> With very little time and a half, <laughs> your efforts. <laughs> but we we hope that the the payment will be in our retirement program. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, the the question about uh, gold and silver, I saw it here and I slid away. Oh, when the system collapses, will personal ownership of gold be relevant? Uh, the last bowl of rice in China will not be purchasable for all the gold in China. Uh, have gold if you want, but the real treasure is the people who seek the kingdom and love their neighbor as themselves, who will be ministering for Christ. Until then, may peace be upon your house and God be with you. Thanks, Paul, for being Thanks, here. Thanks, Greg. Thank God you, everybody. Bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.